It's closing time for Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis as Oklahoma's waiting on a five-star or really even a couple five-star defensive linemen to make their decisions on where they want to play ball. You've got Bill Beatenbow looking at the clock, ticking and saying, when am I going to finish my offensive line recruiting? And then you look at 2025 and you see the potential flips. You see the commitments coming down and you're asking yourselves, is 2025 going to be a better year than 2024 for the University of Oklahoma? Today, we're going to answer all of those questions and more. But guys, before we dive into it, before we talk about it, I want to hear from you. So go ahead and hit that like, hit the subscribe button, jump down in the comments below and let me know what y'all's thoughts are. Additionally, before we get started, exciting news. Kaylee and I have decided that we are going to launch a OU softball podcast. This is going to be exclusive to just OU softball. So right now, you guys can go follow us on Instagram, and we will have more details in the coming weeks about when videos will be dropping, when actual podcasts will be dropping, and when you guys can go follow us there. So jump over to Instagram, Around the Bases Show, and you guys will be able to find us there. If you guys can't, I'm going to drop the link down in the comments below. I'm going to pin it so you guys can go ahead and click that and follow us. Go show us some love. And then additionally, when we start posting those videos, pull up and we'd love to have you guys there. But to get into the news that you all are here to see today, it's time for Miguel Chavis and Todd Bates to close on the five-star defensive lineman, Williams Winery. And although Williams Winery... This recruitment has been wild. It's flown, and a bunch of people will tell you it's not Oklahoma. It's The pick's not going to be OU. It's going to be Georgia. And then it was, well, it's going to be Missouri. And then it was, well, it's going to Oregon. Oklahoma's always been the constant there. And if you're an Oklahoma fan, that's where you should feel good. And so he's going to be making his college decision here on Monday, August 14th. And I think a lot of Oklahoma fans are asking themselves, is Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis actually going to be able to close on what some sites say is the number one overall player in this class? And so taking a look at Williams Winery, and you take a look at his 247 profile, you see he's at 6'5", 250 pounds, and you say, well, what's Williams Winery going to bring to the off to the defense? Not the offense. My God, if he could play offense. Williams Winery, what's he bringing to the Oklahoma defense? Well, more than likely, he's going to play edge. And really, when you think about it, and you think about what this Oklahoma defensive line could be with Williams Winery, it's going to be different. It's going to be explosive. It's going to be hard to stop for a lot of teams. And going into the SEC, that's what you want. You want a defensive line that no matter what offensive lines put out there, because guys, there are offensive lines like South Carolina. You might be saying, whoa, Preston, what do you mean South Carolina? South Carolina has been putting up really good offensive line classes the past couple of years, and they've been doing it again this year. And so you look at where you're going to have to pick your poison, a PJ out by Warre on one side, Williams Winery on one side, David Stone, because yes, I still and buying David Stone to Oklahoma as the most important recruit to OU, which we'll get to David Stone here in a second. But David Stone, Jaden Jackson, and then pick Nigel Smith or whoever you want to put in that third slot. You tell me an offensive line that's stopping a 
sophomore defensive line of that caliber. Because realistically, in 2024, I'm not looking at this defensive line to just be earth-shattering, even with landing these five-star guys. But I'm looking at 2025, where Oklahoma is going to be landing a hell of a lot of players in that class. And you look at that defensive line, and you say in 2025, you could have one of the best defensive lines in all of college football. By that time, P.J. Ottawa will be a junior. By that time, you'll have Williams Winery, David Stone, Nigel Smith, Danny Okoye, all of those guys who, yes, I believe will be in the class at this point, all will be sophomores. They will have experience playing in the SEC. That's the year you look at it and go, Brenton Venables and this staff could win a national championship. 2025, I think, is the year you circle and say, as long as 2024 goes well on the recruiting cycle, 2025 is the year that you circle and go, that's national championship expectations. Maybe in 2024, depending on how the defense progresses this season in 2023, you say, in 2024, you expect to make the college football playoffs. But in 2025 is the year you expect to win a national championship because that defensive line is going to anchor that defense. And well, realistically, you're going to have Sammy Omosigo. You're going to have Desan McCullough. You're going to have Phil Picciotti, Lewis Carter, all at the linebacker position. You're going to have Peyton Bowen back there, Robert Spears Jennings, Gentry Williams, assuming nobody hits the portal. That defense is going to be raw. Williams Winery has an opportunity to help change it. And being one of the nation's most highly coveted recruits, I think it's imperative Not only does Oklahoma go out there and land David Stone, but I think it's important you change the narrative that you can go out there and you can land a guy like Williams Winery out of the grasps of Georgia and Oregon. And I mean, I I don't like saying it, but Missouri, because Missouri's actually a real player here. And you might be saying, well, Preston, I'm looking at Williams Winery's stats, and they don't blow me away because in 2021, which is what they have posted on 247, he's 43 tackles, seven tackles for loss, five sacks, and one pass breakup. But the one thing you notice when you really watch Williams Winery's film is he's super aggressive coming off the line. And I'm kind of telling you guys this as I'm watching his film, which maybe we can just pull up for you guys because I know you guys like to see the film. So let's go ahead and just pull that up. Maybe you guys can see it a little bit. But one thing you notice with Williams Winery, when you watch him play ball, he's aggressive. He's fast. He's good with his hands and moving an offensive lineman out of the way. Like, like it's just easy. It's like he's out there baking a cake or something. He's able to keep his eye on the ball and keep focused at where the ball carrier is at. So one thing that maybe you could see happen with Williams Winery is maybe a couple times you see Williams Winery drop back into coverage. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen a lot, but maybe you see him in a cheetah package every once in a while. And maybe he jumps back a little bit with the linebackers and he's able to clean up a little bit. And I think that's what you're going to be able to get with Williams Winery. Now, as you see here, he's playing on the Missouri campus, so he's very familiar with what Missouri is able to offer. He's very familiar with that staff. And so even at the end of the day, if Williams Winery ends up picking the Missouri Tigers, On Monday, August 14th, you still feel good about where Oklahoma sits because, well, you look at the relationships that he has with Miguel Chavis and Todd Bates, and you look at what Oklahoma can provide in terms of a development standpoint 
there is no better pick for Williams Winery than the University of Oklahoma. And so kind of transitioning a little bit into what the 2024 class could really just shape up to be. Because I think this is another thing that a lot of you guys potentially want to look at. Hey, what are some of the recruits that we're going to land? Because I'm tired of hearing about it. And I want to see what this class could look like. Well, I'm here to provide you some hope, right? I'm going to be a hope dealer today. And I'm going to give you guys a little bit of hope here. I don't like this view. Let's do this one right here. Let's do this view. All right. As you can guys see here, 247 Sports provides a great tool in terms of the class calculator. Oklahoma already has one five-star in Taylor Tatum. At 5'10 and a half, 205 pounds at the running back position, going to play baseball for Oklahoma. That's a theme that you've seen in this class. Oklahoma has gotten guys that have been able to play multi-positions. Could Devon Mitchell end up being a five-star? I don't know. Probably a stretch at this point. But if he goes out there, balls out this senior season, maybe you see Devon Mitchell rise to five-star status because Devon Mitchell just is five-star talent. The problem is, is instead of going up against the 2025 guys where he was rated at one point, now he has to go up against a little bit more developed, more tenured 2024 recruits, guys that are older than him and maybe even bigger than him. I think that's going to maybe play a factor in him not reaching five-star status, but it's a possibility. So I have already taken the liberty, and I have went through, and I've kind of realistically went through what Oklahoma could realistically land in this 2024 class. And we're going to start on the offensive line because I know you guys have questions about what Bill Bedenbo is doing there. You have Grant Bricks, Eddie Pierre-Louis. You have Jordan Seaton, who I know is a target that a lot of you guys have just all of a sudden came up to. But if you've been watching my channel, you know we've talked about Jordan Seaton before and how if you land David Stone, you've already got Jaden Jackson, two guys that have to play on the opposite side of the ball of Jordan Seaton in practice. It's a possibility Oklahoma could land him if they land both. David Stone and Jaden Jackson. And also, there are other guys you guys have to pay attention to, like maybe a Jordan Johnson Rubel or somebody like that from IMG Academy that Oklahoma could try to flip with the power of David Stone. But you've got Grant Bricks, Eddie Pierre-Louis, Jordan Seaton, and Daniel Akinkumi. I think those are your four offensive linemen that you're really paying attention to and you're focusing on. Right now, you already have Josh Isosa. You have Isaiah Autry. So your offensive line is starting to take shape, and I think you have a lot of talent potential right now in this class. Let's just put it that way. And so let's start off with probably the most, and we're going to put this realistic. We're not going to shoot for the stars here, but let's just say you only get Grant Bricks, who, yes, looks like one of the better offensive linemen in this class, and I think a lot of people from a lot of sites will tell you that. Let's just say you only land him and Daniel Akinkumi. And you guys have heard me talk about it. I think if you land Akinkumi, that's one of the most talented, potential talented offensive linemen I think you can get in this class. Mainly because he hasn't been playing football that long. So all the potential is an upside there. So this kid ultimately could be a five-star talent for you down the road if he's developed right. So let's say you solidify your offensive line with that. And then you look at the defensive line. Because right now we're starting in the trenches. And you get Williams Winery, and you get David Stone as your two five-stars. And I get it. Oklahoma still has Dominic McKinley on the board, and I'm still high on Dominic McKinley with Oklahoma. But like I said, we're going to play realistic here. We're going to look at 
what Oklahoma could realistically land, no upside. No upside. I also like Nigel Smith. I still have not wavered on that. Nigel Smith to Oklahoma, I think it's still going to happen. And then let's look between Danny Okoye, Danny Okoye and Zena Yumio Azulu. Told you guys the other day after talking to Danny, I'm starting to feel a little bit better about where Oklahoma sits. So we are going to add Danny Okoye to this class. Please do not make fun of me because I don't know how to type. Danny Okoye. All right. So that solidifies your off your defensive line and your offensive line. So what's next? You have Michael Boganowski for safety, Devon Jordan and Eli Bowen for cornerback. You have Terry Bussey as an athlete, Andy Bass as an athlete, and Braden Platt. Who do you realistically land out of there? Well, let's put Michael Boganowski in there. I think Oklahoma can close the deal here. I think they can get him to, to be in Oklahoma sooner. I, I, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Kansas State. They're pushing. USC's coming too late into the picture. I don't think they're going to be a factor at all. Devon Jordan, Eli Bowen. Let's just say the staff keeps both of those. Because maybe if you don't land a Michael Boganowski, you're for sure landing those two guys. Because I think maybe a Devon Jordan could switch to safety. Maybe one of these guys could switch to safety for you that you guys already have. But you already have Jaden Hardy and Michael Patterson-McDonald. So maybe you don't need to take another safety. Then you look at Terry Bussey, Andy Bass, Braden Platt. Out of those three, I think you only land Andy Bass. Just playing it straight. I think coming in for Terry Bussey would be an absolute phenomenal win. I just don't think it's going to happen. Braden Platt not coming to Oklahoma when he was supposed to for the party at the Palace, I think hurts. So there you go. That is, I think, with what you realistically end up with. So you're asking, where does this leave us? Put you guys at 29 commits for the 2024 class with a 288.77 composite score. And it would put you, if the recruiting class ended today at number three, you'd be jumping Florida. Now, Georgia's at number one. They're almost done. They're probably not going to be surplanted in this class. And if one team is going to do it, it's going to be Alabama. Because I think only Alabama has 17 commits, but they have a bunch of five stars still on their board. Michigan at number six, they're pretty much done. I don't think they're a threat to top Oklahoma. So for Oklahoma to finish with the top five class, at this point, you just have to beat out Florida State, Florida, and Texas to jump you. That's really what you got to look out for. May, and, and Alabama, but I'm pretty much, at this point, assuming Alabama jumps you. So you're looking at Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama above you. Oklahoma, once again, positioning themselves probably at number four. The question is, where does Florida State, Florida, and Texas land? And the reason why I put Texas in there is because Texas is still in the running for multiple five stars. So they could still leap into the top five. It's a possibility. Florida State and Florida, same thing. Multiple five stars still on their board. Florida and Florida State or in a five-star heavy state. Would not be surprised to see them supplant Oklahoma. But even if Oklahoma doesn't end up in the top five, I'm here to reassure you that this is a good class. With what we have here at 29 commits, it's a good class, guys. You address your needs as you prepare to lose up to seven or more defensive linemen based on portal and guys that will just be leaving for the NFL. And then you have addressed your tight end need, kind of. 
You've gotten a Devon Mitchell, who at one point was a five-star talent in the 2025 class. Yes, you still might have to take a guy out of the transfer portal based on what you guys already have in this tight end room in Helms, McKentry, uh, I believe it's pronounced Fanuli, Faye, and Smith. Assuming if any of those guys produce well and the staff really likes the development they're seeing out of some of these guys, you might or might not have to take a guy out of the portal. But let's just say you do. This is still a very good class. And it addresses your needs. Now, 2025, you're going to have to address different needs. And the offensive line is still one of them, but it's, it's a need that's a little bit different. And that's because this year you had a lot of depth at the offensive line, which is why I think you saw Oklahoma swing and miss on some of the, the larger targets that they wanted to go out there and get. But next year, I think, is the year you go to retool with some of these guys going to be juniors, right? Some of these guys are going to be juniors or going into their junior year. You're going to look at guys like Michael Fasusi, Lamont Rogers, Ty Haywood, the two guys at Bishop Gorman. You've got one in Missouri, one in Kansas. Those are the guys you're going to look for to replace some of these juniors over the next couple of years. And it's going to be a little bit easier to land them because now you can sell them on the idea that they can come play at the University of Oklahoma pretty quickly and they're not going to have to sit out probably two to three years. They might be able to start in a year and a half or two years. So I'm looking at the class for Oklahoma, the 2024 class. 29 commits, a 288.77 composite score. That's without anybody moving up or anybody moving down. I expect Nigel Smith to move back up into the rankings once again. So realistically, you're looking at, let's just go ahead and count it down if I can find my mouse. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven potential players in the top 75 players in the country. Not to mention, you've got all these three stars down here that are going to have an opportunity to give themselves their fourth star. Right now, the only person that does not have a star is Josh Isosa. And I'm telling you, Josh Isosa is going to get a star rating by the end of the cycle. So you could look at it and say, every guy that Oklahoma has committed at this point is going to have a star, and the majority of them are going to be four stars. You could have seven in the top 75, and your blue chip ratio only gets better, which the analytics and the statistics tell you, if you have a good blue chip ratio, which I think it's like 60% or more blue chippers on your team, you win a national championship. So, no need to fear. Oklahoma's 2024 recruiting class is going to be fine. David Stone, Williams, Winery, your top two targets. David Stone probably being the most important target. And then you look at Daniel Koye dropping his top six today. On the, on the Twitters, top six. Miami, Alabama, Oklahoma, Colorado, Texas, LSU. It's interesting to see Colorado in there. Colorado's fighting with the big boys. Don't think they have a chance. I think... Real or that's not uh, Miami, that's Tennessee. Sorry, guys. I think realistically, if you're looking at the three that are competing with each other the most, look at the top back row: Tennessee, Alabama, Oklahoma. In my opinion, those are the three that are fighting each other the most for Danny Okoye. He'll land at one of those three schools. So Danny Okoye, he's a talent, a talent that Oklahoma is going to want to get. I mean, now I don't know why. 
247 Sports has him as a tight end. He ain't no tight end. He's an edge rusher. But at 6'4", 241 pounds, Daniel Okoye, even at 158th in the 247 composite rankings, he's only going to rise. He's going to be the number one player in the state of Oklahoma. He's going to be potentially a top 75 player when it's all said and done. He's going to go to the camps. He's going to do what he needs to do. He's going to take care of business. So, Daniel Okoye, guys, you need to be paying attention to him. If you are not, put him on your radar. So now I want to transition a little bit into the 2025 class because Oklahoma got their commitments this past week from Jaden Nickens. You've gotten Elijah Thomas on board. You have Grayson Harris, Kevin Sperry, Kamori Moore, and you go, this class looks really good for Oklahoma. It really does. And you might ask yourself, how much better can the 2025 class get before we even get to the 2025 cycle. And I'm here to help you guys out a little bit and explain to you guys where I think it's going to be. But first, I think it's only appropriate to start out with a potential flip, a guy that could flip to the University of Oklahoma here in the next month. I really think it can happen. That's going to be Nate Roberts. See him right here. 6'4", 230 pounds here out of Washington, Oklahoma. You guys want to hear the craziest thing about Nate Roberts? And we've talked about this before. He's not even the only tight end at his school that's currently being recruited by a Power 5 school. What do I mean by that? Well, he's a teammate in Cooper Alexander in the 2024 class at 6'4", 220 pounds. Although, I don't think he's as talented as Nate Roberts. The dude is special. Now, Nate Roberts, committed to Notre Dame. But Nate Roberts, sounds like this is going to flip here. Last season, sophomore season, 33 receptions, 705 yards, 11 receiving touchdowns. The dude is just massive. 6'4", 230 pounds. You watch his film, which I actually have for you guys here, and we can play this for you so you can watch it while we talk over it. You watch his film... You see what kind of a route runner he is. A pass-catching tight end. So, he's not... I I think that's one area he could improve in is blocking. Being a pass-blocking tight end. But you've got other guys on your team that can do that, right? So, if you want to run a, t- a two-tight end package, which Levy is known for doing, then Nate Roberts potentially is a great option for you to be your Travis Kelsey of the Oklahoma Sooners. Again, like I said, 33 receptions, 705 yards, 11 receiving touchdowns. Nate Roberts, in his junior and senior year, let's say he just replicates that. The dude is going to be a top 100 player all day long and on everybody's boards to try to go out there and flip. Whether he stays with Notre Dame this month or not. I expect him to decommit from Notre Dame this month and for it to be a flip in favor of Oklahoma. Now, maybe it's wishful thinking because, well, that's a lot of a pickup for Oklahoma. You look at the 2025 class and go, Preston, there's no way Oklahoma is going to get that many commitments in the 2025 class before the 2024 cycle ends. And I'm telling you, I don't think that's going to be the case. I looked at the 247 composite rankings 
a little bit earlier before we got on here, before I started talking about everything we talked about today. And I've looked at some of the targets that Oklahoma could realistically land before the end of the 2024 cycle. And I'm going to go ahead and share this with you guys because I think this is so cool. This is so cool to look at and see where Oklahoma's at here. You add Nate Roberts, Gus Cordavo, and Isaiah, Isaiah Mosey, right? With what you already have committed. This is going to give Oklahoma a 137.46 composite score with eight commits. That's pretty damn good, if I do say my, so myself. And this might be one of the best starts Oklahoma's had to a recruiting class outside of Lincoln Riley's 2022 class that he took with him to USC or 2023 class he took with him to USC. And you look at where Oklahoma could stack up with that kind of class in the 2025 rankings. They would be above Alabama. They would be at number two, only trailing the Georgia Bulldogs. The one thing you're starting to notice here, Oklahoma is competing with the national champions. They're competing with the best of the best. So I look at it and I go, Oklahoma has a real shot at a number one class here. Yes, they're going to have a couple more commits in Georgia and Alabama. And although Gus Cordavo and Kamori Moore might not be ranked, I look at it and go, Oklahoma could have Isaiah Mosey, Nate Roberts, Jaden Nickens and Elijah Thomas, all top 100 players by the end of the 2025 cycle. Kevin Sperry might be a five-star quarterback. Then you look at it and go, Kamori Moore and Gus Cordavo might be three- and four-star recruits. This class in 2025, although it might not be as shiny as 2024 because you're not going to have the David Stones and the Williams Winaries and all of those players to really sit there and boost up the numbers in this class, you're going to have it and you're going to go, the 2025 class overall, top to bottom, might be deeper for the University of Oklahoma. So guys, that's kind of where I'm at today. This is what I wanted to bring you. And I know it's kind of a little bit of a longer video. And this might be a little bit longer of a podcast than what you guys are normally listening to. But I'm here to provide you guys some hope about the future of the Oklahoma Sooners and realistically what we could be expecting with this program. I really like where it's heading. And I think it's patience. That's really what I think fans need at this point. So guys, I want to hear from you. Jump down in the comments below and let me know what y'all's thoughts are if you're watching me on YouTube. If you're listening to this on Apple, Google, or Spotify, go ahead, give me five stars, leave me a review, jump down in the uh, question, uh, respond to that. I think that's only available on Spotify, but if it's available on Apple, I want to hear from you guys on there as well. Guys, I appreciate you tuning in. If you have not already, go ahead, subscribe. Go ahead, jump down in the comments Follow the Around the Bases show on Instagram. Caitlin and I are going to be putting out some softball content there. We are excited for you guys to follow us in this journey as we start another podcast. But guys, until we see you next time, Boomer Sooner.